Good evening. Happy to be here tonight in uh, Bet Shemesh for our annual visit. Wow. Most Americans don't wear masks. They became Israelis. Baruch Hashem. This lecture will be the Ruven Shmuel Ben Avram Akoen Ruth Bat Shalom Avram Yachid Ben Ruven Shmuel Akoen Menachem Yitzchak Ben Ruven Shmuel Akoen David Arya Ben Ruven Shmuel Akoen Also Refuat Tehilat Elena Bat Adasa Elihu Nishmat Yafa Rachel Bat Yafa Elihu Nishmat Fuad Efraim Ben Nisim for Sharona Bat Mazal, should find her Shiduch and Refua Shlema, Nomi Bat Mazal, and David Ben Mazal for Shiduch, Refua Shlema Sara, Frumet Bat Handel Miriam, Refua Shlema, Sharon Bat Mazal, and Nomi Bat Mazal, find her Shiduch, Shoshana Bat Mazal, and Sharona Bat Mazal, and David Ben Mazal. Also, Leilu Nishmat Eliezer. Akohen Ben Angela Meirov. And what else we have here? Also, Lizkut Avram Ben Vora, Shiraz, Bekarov de Zivug Agun, Lizkut Israel Ruven Ben Sara, Shizkel, Itmoch Bekirov Rechokim, Beyad Rechava. Baruch Hashem, a year passed and we're beginning to get out of the jail we've been here. Quarantine, and uh, in Israel, believe it or not, right now the safest place in the world. In India, in Mexico, Brazil, thousands of people dying every day. Baruch Hashem, with the help of Hashem, that gave some wisdom to Bibi, to run and get the vaccines here. Instead of 2,000 people to die a day, we have no death. Baruch Hashem. Zero death yesterday, today. Of course, it's all from Hashem. Before everything started, it was already close to 100 deaths a day. You know, it's a snowball. There will be 200, 300, 500, 1,000, no, no, and then you lose control. And thousands of funerals every week. The country is broken, the country is destroyed mentally. The country is going bankrupt. Israel will have to announce that they cannot pay their debt to the rest of the world. The credit rating of Israel will crash, and that will be the end of all of us officially. Many people don't understand the miracle that Hashem did to us, that those companies agreed to send us those vaccines to Israel before even United States. If we would be online, we would probably get it another year from now, which by then will be too late for us. HaKadosh Baruch Hu saved all of us from a total destruction. It's mamash, the miracle. Maybe if Chazar would live today, they would make a special day for the miracle, like we have for the holidays. It doesn't mean that everything is over, we still have to wait. But one thing we should know, that no matter what happened, Hashem will always make sure that we will get our daily or weekly suffering. Corona went away, Palestinians woke up. 
It has to be something. You, get, you think you get rid of one problem? Right away, Hashem arranged for you something new. Because Yaakov lishev b'shalva, Yaakov said, okay, maybe let me get retired. I should retire now. I had a hard life. I came out to Egypt. My son is a king. He's in charge of the money. I can enjoy life. All kinds of things like this. Hashem said, not only on Olam Abba, you have such a special place waiting for you. You want to rest in this world? Miyad kafatz alav rukzo shel Yosef. That's when Yosef disappeared and they kidnapped him and sent him to Egypt. The prophet, Yeshaya, he said, he says, V'amarta bayom ahu, odecha Hashem, כי ענפת בי. I thank you, Hashem. One day I will thank you for being so strict with me. Right? We will all know that it was all for good. All the struggling and all the pain, especially those who made Aliyah to Israel, and they had to go through the struggle of changing location, and getting used to the Israeli mentality, which each one of the Americans deserve a Nobel Prize winner for being able to adjust themselves to a diff complete different environment, different mentality, and to somehow survive and slowly, slowly become an Israeli, that's, that's a very big achievement. It's really not easy. I know it. It's not easy for me as an original Israeli. But when I come here, I see certain things, it's very difficult for me to survive here. So I'm imagining those Americans who never lived here before, what they had to go through. But don't worry, it's a part of the plan. If it wouldn't be the Israeli aggressive mentality, it would be something else, because Eretz Israel niknet b'isurim. Three gifts HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to the Jewish nation, major gifts, divine gifts, and all of them has to come through suffering. What are they? Eretz Israel, the land of Israel, Torah, you cannot become a Talmud Chacham without killing yourself for thousands of hours, day and night, for months, for years, again and again and again and again for decades, until you become an official Talmud Chacham. Nobody became a Talmud Chacham smoking a cigar in the AC and his belly growing by the day. Forget about it. That's an illusion. You want to be a Talmud Chacham, you have to forget about sport, forget about basketball, forget about good steaks, forget about trips, forget about Ben Yehuda on Thursday night, forget about the pool, Forget about millions of things you have to give up. Chashka nafshi batorah. There were people in history that once they got into the Torah mode, they did not want to waste a minute on anything. We just had the merit to eat dinner with one of them. Aveliyahu Buchbut from the Chemish became an Av Bedin and a Bedin here. We learned together in Yeshiva over 20, 22, 23 years ago. Became Dayan, Shochet, Moel, Sofer, genius, eventually. Why? Devotion. Serious. 
taking advantage on every day, every minute, every time. Never waste time. Give up a lot of different things. So if you give up so much, of course you become somebody. If you one leg here, one leg there, nothing will come out of you. That's why in America, hundreds of thousands of people learned in yeshivot, people that were born in America, not people that came to America from Europe. That's a different story. Europe was a different story. From hundreds of thousands of people who learned in the best yeshivot in America in the last hundred years or fifty years, now one of them became Gdolador. No one. In Israel you had hundreds of Gdoleador. In Europe, hundreds of Gdoleador. Some of them came to America, like Rav Victor Miller, Rav Moshe Feinstein, and many others. They came from Russia, Ukraine, Poland, all these countries. They already came big Gdolei Torah. Came to America and they continue. But someone who was born in America, to the best of my knowledge, there's none. Why? Too much pleasure. Too much materialism. Yes, there's a lot of Torah, there's great learning, there's great yeshivot, great tzaddikim. But one giant chacham, Rav Ovadia Yosef, Rav Eliashiv, Rav, all these giants, nobody came out of America. Why? It's just to show you to become somebody big, you have to eliminate everything else in life. Just le left with one thing, Torah. If you have everything else, you will be Chacham. You will be maybe a big rabbi, of course. But Gdol Ador you'll never be. So Torah is very difficult. You have to suffer a lot until you become somebody big. And the third thing is Mashiach, the Geulah. It's going to be Gogu Magog, two-thirds of the people in the world will die, will take us seven years to bury the bodies. It's going to be a disaster. Until we'll be able to enjoy the salvation of Mashiach, read Zechariah Yudalet, read the prophecy, what's going to happen before. Scary. Why? This is it. Everything big has to come through us, a process. It's like cleansing the soul, cleansing the person. Interesting, when a person suffers, he's very bitter and upset and depressed and sad, aggravated. He loses patience, he's going to desperation. After the suffering is over, almost all people would say, the best time in my life was those days that I suffered. Changed my whole life. If not that, I would not be where I am today. But while we're going through the suffering, we, not, we usually complain non-stop. But after it's over, and we see what we achieve thanks to that, then we say, wow, that was the best time of, of our life. And then you ask the person, would you like another wave of suffering like two years ago? No, no, thank you. That's the nature of a person. The Chazonish, he was the complete Chacham. They asked the Chazonish, we know you're humble, but everybody knows you're the biggest rabbi in the world. What do you... A, meaning, in other words, enough being too humble. You're the biggest in the world. 
You call a door in his face. So he says, so why are you so impressed? How do you know how much potential Hashem gave me compared to you? Maybe some of you achieve more of their potential than what I achieve. In the Torah, sometimes the Torah mentions Moshe and Aaron. And sometimes the Torah says Aaron and Moshe. The Gemara asks why. The answer, Lelamdecha Sheshnehem Shkulim. To teach you that both of them are equally righteous. Right away the Gemara asks, how can it be? The Torah clearly says that Moshe is the greatest ever lived. There's no prophet greater than Moshe, and the Torah is named after Moshe, not after Aaron. If the Torah would be Torah Moshe and Aaron, okay, it mentions also Aaron, it's a Torah Moshe Avdi. Ve'aish Moshe Anav Michol Adam, even in humility, is the greatest. And in Torah, is the greatest. He's the leader, he's the king. So he's greater than Aaron. The Gemara answer, each one of them achieved his maximum potential. So if Moshe is a little bit higher, it means nothing. Because we don't compare who right now in front of our eyes is higher. The way Hashem judges us is how many percent of your potential you achieve. That's why sometimes you have in yeshiva, let's say a hundred boys, one of them is very good, very sharp, he learns one masechet after the other, and one doesn't finish a page a month. Huge difference between them. If you compare them, he knows so many gemarot, alachot, he loves to learn, and the other person, he learns on and off, it's a struggle for him, and finally he finished a page after a month. So if you ask everyone, who is greater in Shamayim? Do you know one person that would say the guy, the boy that finished one page a month? No one would say that, but maybe Hashem will. Hashem says, I'm very proud of you. The capacity of your brain that I gave you, and the way you grew up, and with all the temptation and desires you have around you, and you are able to finish one page a month, you are fulfilling 80% of your potential. And that guy who finished maybe the whole Masechet every month, he fulfilled only 70% of his potential. He could have done two with a little bit more effort. So who achieved more? The one page. And this is the famous story that happens to Rav Moshe Feinstein Zatzal in Lower East Side. He got a call from an old man in a neighborhood. Rabbi, I would like to invite you to my seum. It will happen tonight in a shul. Rav Moshe Feinstein said, Mazel Tov, which Masechet you finish? When you say, I want to invite you to a seum, you finish a Masechet in Igmara, no? Kiddushin, Gitin, Shabbos, the whole Masechet, which takes months to learn. So he said to Rav Moshe, no, I did not finish the whole Masechet. Baruch Hashem, after a while, I finished finally the page. One page. Moshe Feinstein was very, very smart. He knew that if a person is calling me with such innocence, 
Zakuach. With such innocence and inviting me that he knows how, how busy I am in a bed din, with writing my books, answering the whole world, is inviting me to a party that he does for one page of Gemara and he doesn't think something is odd, that means that that's something special for that person. How can I tell him no? What time? 6.30 tonight. I'll be there. When he told other people, come to my page, to I finish the page, everyone laughed. This guy's a fool. What is a page? We finish a page every day. What's the occasion here? But when the heir of Moshe Feinstein is coming, how can it be? Moshe Feinstein doesn't go to see him of the whole shots when some people do. How does he come for one page? It has to be something that we are getting here. People got curious. They came. There was a lot of people there. And they invited Rav Moshe to say a few words of Torah. And when he came up, this is what he said. He says, sometimes a person was in this world, lived 70, 80 years, was a big rabbi, big Talmud Chacham. He learned the whole Gemara. And he's aware and understand every line in the whole Shas, except one page. One page he misunderstood. He got it wrong. He thinks he understands it. And he comes to Shamayim, and Hashem said to him, almost perfect. 2,811 pages, one of them he didn't have it right. I would like you to do it perfect. I'm going to send you to one more life. And he reincarnate his soul to another 40, 50, 70 years of life. And he comes and he works and he drives a taxi and he drives a truck. And he, you know, he has all the regular life for the one page that he will finish correctly, and that's it. And then he finishes tikkun completely. And everybody says, wow, maybe this old man, that's what happened to him. A few hours later, he went to sleep and passed. Much of a vision, the wine and mouth of Moshe That's it. He needed to be seven years in this world to finish the one page. That's why you never know. Maybe that's the page that you came to the world for it. Maybe it's the next one. Maybe it's the next one. Avolbe Zatzal, Aleishu, he said that sometimes a person that is a working person and has big tests in his business can achieve even higher than someone who learns Torah every day all his life. Because if you sit and learn and you enjoy it, what Yetzirah you have? You enjoy every minute. You know, I have no Yetzirah to go and see what's in the mall, or to go shopping, or to watch anything online. You don't have time for that. It's a waste of time for you. If you would have to do it, it's a suffering for you. Some people, to go on vacation, is a, they wait for it all year. Vacation. The summer is coming. They plan the vacation three months especially Americans. You know, they wait for that moment of vacation like it's the Biat Mashiach. All of a sudden, Corona came. People are dying. What they worry about? Oh, we're not going to be able to go on vacation. 
For some people, vacation, it's a punishment. Pure punishment. Pack, go drive to the airport, wait online three hours, suitcases, security, flight few hours, again an hour taxi, checking in, another hour online, getting into the room, the AC doesn't work, give us a different room, there's a cigarette smell here, okay sir, we'll see what we have, all room are occupied, this, that, the food did not arrive, what are we gonna do? And then all the way back, oh, it's this. You suffer more than you in the end. Okay, what does he do? Lay by the stuff, in the beach, by, in a, in, by the pool, in the sun. You can do it in the backyard, what? Something doesn't add up here. No, Rabbi, but we went to such great restaurant. Everywhere you have good restaurant. You have to go to the other side of the world for that. This is the way the Satan convinced people to do things. You should know one thing. A person can only enjoy something he does if he has an awareness to what he does. If he's not aware of what he's doing, he doesn't enjoy it. I'll give you an example. If you're very hungry and somebody gave you a great steak and you waited from the morning for that steak and about, you're about to enjoy to eat it, you got a very disturbing phone call. Something horrible had happened, lo So your mind right now is in a tragedy you just heard. You're eating the steak, but your mind is in a suffering and the headache you're going to have tomorrow morning now. By the time the steak finished, they ask you, how was the steak? Did I even eat it? I wasn't even thinking. Meaning the body cannot enjoy unless there is an awareness. If you're not aware of what you're doing, you can enjoy it. And it's very interesting, very interesting, because the awareness is a combination of paying attention with your five senses, mixing together with everything that your computer recorded, meaning your brain. So you have to feed your computer with the right information. If you enter into your computer the right information, and now you're aware of what you're doing, together it's a great combination of pleasure. But what happens if you enter your brain the wrong information? For instance, since you're very young, your parents were not religious, and they stuffed your brain with every nonsense possible. Nonsense. You have to do this, you have to play hockey, you have to play basketball, you have to do that. You have to... This is what you grew up with. So now this is the way your brain understands pleasure. He doesn't understand there are things that are much, much higher and much more kosher. Because he's not aware of it. So now, because you are programmed in such a way, and now they give you what you are programmed to like, this is what you are after. But one day you come to Hashem, and Hashem said to you, you wasted your entire eight years of life. But I had fun. You know, in America, the teenagers say, I want to have fun. Come on, Abba, let's go. Why, why you want to go there so much? What? The American answer. I like to have fun. By the way, when I say American, uh, American answer, it's today all over the world already. But the root 
of the phenomena come from America. So I want to have fun. It's all about having fun. What does it mean to have fun? Usually it's to make scenes. You may say, why? If I go to a kosher place and we have our own place and our own backyard and our own pool and we're not going to where the goyim are and we eat glad kosher and we listen to divrei Torah in the background, what's not kosher here? You're right, you can make it kosher, but it's almost impossible. In the way the world became, it's almost impossible today to go anywhere without committing sins on the way. It's impossible. How many from Jews are moving now to Florida? They got fed up with the liberal and the lefties and all these Democrats in New York. They can't stand it anymore. So what are we doing here? Cold, ugly, everybody with their liberalism, becoming more and more wicked. Let's run to Florida. Florida? Say, I run to Yerushalayim, I understand. What the world? Running from New York to Florida? You know what it is? Like you have poison in the, in the right pocket and you move it to the left. What changed? Florida is the solution? That it's almost impossible to raise one religious kid in Florida to become a real Ben Torah. Almost impossible. You take a thousand from kids from Borough Park, you put them a few months in a... You put them a few months in uh, Florida, few months, you don't need years. Few months, what happened? The yarmulke became size of a shekel. All of a sudden jeans, red sneakers. The blorit grew up five inches. All of a sudden he has a t-shirt, I love Miami. A year ago in Boro Park, like hat, Serious, tzitzit all the way to the floor, walking in the streets with Gemara, mikveh in the morning, one year in Florida and the neshama is destroyed. Barara, we have the life here. Every day sunny. Only fools speak like this. A real, a real servant of Hashem moves his location because it's sunny, what are you normal? That's the priority in your life? So put the heat. So you live with the heat, big deal. You still survive. You have to benefit the soul. Not everything has to be around the body. I'm gonna give you now a great advice for life. There are two ways to feed your soul. The usual way, meaning the wicked way, like 99.9% .9 of the people in the world do it on a daily basis, and the Torah way, which is very rare. The Torah, the Torah way does not apply to about two and a half or three million religious people that lives in the world. I wish it was, but it's not. In the Torah world, you have about 150,000 Torah scholars, starting from children all the way to adults. About 150,000 people sit and learn. The rest are housewives, you know, married people who goes to work, you know, things like these people that learn an hour or two a day. But real Bnei Torah, about 150, maybe a little more, that's it. How does a person become a person that think according to the Torah? I give you a mashal. 
I used to have a horrible car. Every week it was in a garage. Every week. No exaggeration. For a period of few years. Every week a problem. How do I know it's a horrible car? Maybe Hashem just found a way to punish me. Could be a great car for everybody else. But he found a way to punish me on a weekly basis. This is what I thought in the beginning. But then my mechanic told me, he should have asked me, should have not buy this car, this minivan. It's the worst car in history. 80% of my parnasa come from this car. <laughs> I said, Nihamdani. You gave me comfort. Why? It's, so it's not me. It's not me. It reminded me about Rabbi Yochanan who was walking on the street and the gangster mugged him. Stole his wallet. So he came to the yeshiva. He's learning with the ex-gangster, Rish Lakish. Used to be a gangster. Became a Baal Tshuva. He saw a beautiful woman swimming in a lake. At least he thought she is. He jumped like a tiger, swim all the way there, and then he turned around. Oh my gosh, it's a man. So he told him, oh, I know why you came all the way here. You thought I'm a woman from far. He didn't have a beard. There's no beard growing, plus long period. He thought it's a woman from far. He said, shame on you. You're jumping to a lake. You know a woman came to the lake. You're jumping to come near a woman. But don't worry. I have a sister that is a lot prettier than me. And I'm willing to make your shidduch with her. In one condition. You're going to start coming from tomorrow morning and learn with me in yeshiva. In life, you have to find what the person likes and use it to drag him to a positive cause. You have children. One kid like this, one kid like that. Use what they like to bring them to do the right thing. If you do three pages today, I'm going to give you what you like, assuming it's kosher. And more and more, it's like a kosher bribe. You bribe him and you bribe him and you bribe him until he doesn't need the bribe. He got used to it. Now, even if you stop, that's it. He's on the roll. So Rabbi Yochanan realized, what is he looking for? He's looking for a girl. I'll give him a, a beautiful girl in one condition. He has to deserve her. You want to marry my sister? She's a very religious girl. You got to become religious. He started to come to the yeshiva. Believe it or not, some gangsters have a very sharp head. Even to be a head of a mafia, you cannot be a stupid person. You have to know how to deal with your competition. They, they're, willing, they're waiting to kill you every day. You have to know. So he saw that he has great potential. He made him a big rabbi, a big Talmud Chacham. After a while, when Rabbi Yochanan walked in the street and he got robbed, he came to the yeshiva and was sitting there depressed. He told him, what happened today you cannot learn? He said, they robbed me, the gangster on the street. So he said to him, what? They robbed you? Wait right here. Let me go take care of it. Everyone was shaking from him, knowing his old reputation. He came on the street, he found one of the gangsters. I give you one hour to return the wallet to the rabbi. If not, you're going to mess with me. They heard that it's, he knows him. No problem, don't worry. We'll get you the wallet. Relax, calm down. 
Calm down. You'll have it. Relax. Make sure all the money is there. They returned the wallet. He gave it to Abiy Yochanan. He opened the Gemara and started to learn. That's the Gemara. What do you understand from this Gemara? You may come to the wrong conclusion. It's very dangerous. Some people came to the wrong conclusion. They thought one of the greatest rabbis in the history of the world could not learn Torah because they robbed him for two, three hundred bucks. This would not even happen to me or to you. After ten minutes, you come to yeshiva, you open the Gemara, you forget what happened an hour ago. What? You, you are, you're thinking about the two hundred dollars that was robbed? So what's happening here? When we get robbed, we are in pain for the amount of money we lost. When Rabbi Yochanan was robbed, he was in pain for a completely different reason. What did I do wrong that Hashem did this to me? I'm guilty of something. So all he was thinking about, what have I done wrong? To deserve this. Did I do this? Did I do that? They can learn now. It's an emergency now. He has to find out what did I do wrong? I gotta do tshuva. Hashem sent me this. First time in my life, people steal from me. That means I'm not clean with money. That means maybe I stole. Maybe I caused another Jew some financial damage. Hashem is telling me something. Not like today. It's all random, nature, Hashem doesn't punish, Hashem loves everybody. Rabbi, don't be fanatic. You know how some speakers, they teach the wrong information. Not even a scratch to your head. See, you just scratched your head. <laughs> this, this scratch was decided on last Rosh Hashanah. And it will happen right here. And the time it will happen, it was already written on Rosh Hashanah. And why did you scratch your head? Check what you did last year. You think, what, scratching the head? Yes, maybe a quarter, you, you cause a damage to someone. Something that is really small. Even scratching the head is a punishment. Coming to a place, no AC, punishment. Coming to a place, microphone doesn't work, punishment. Coming to a place, the chair break your back, punishment. The video did not record, punishment. It's not the cameraman and it's not the battery, even though it's made in China. It's all punishment. I had days that empty batteries work for three hours. And I had days that completely full batteries shut down after 40 minutes. Not once, not 10 times, not 20 times. Maybe a hundred times over the years. Completely full battery, die. Completely empty, work. Nes Hanukkah. Why? Hashem wanted that lecture to be recorded and the other one didn't. That's it. Sometimes one sentence you say in a lecture and Hashem doesn't want people to hear. One sentence, it makes something go wrong with the device. Doesn't go wrong, that's it. Sometimes you say one sentence that is critical for everybody to hear. Hashem said the batteries don't shut down. Keep going. I need this lecture online. That's all. That's what it comes down to. 
So when Rish Lakish brought the money back to Rabbi Yochanan, he only realized then that he's not guilty of anything. It was just a test. So because he was relaxed, ah, Baruch Hashem, I was so worried. We are not worried about anything, but he was worried. That's how you are, you're worried about every little thing. Okay, so I'm not guilty, let's learn. This is the way it is. So the question is, how does a person become a thinker just that think exactly like a Kadosh Baruch Hu? That's one of the missions in life for men and women. You have to think the way Hashem thinks. Most of the things we think came to us from elementary school, high school, parents, neighbors, friends, movies we watched, things we heard, different scenarios on the street, news, going around, sports that we watch or played, places we went in the summer that were not so kosher, designed our personality. It's true that a person comes to the world with a raw material personality. Thank you. You already have, you know, like when you get a diamond, it's a raw material. Both of them looks the same. Two babies were just born. They look exactly the same. Could be twins. Twins. One is generous, one is very stingy. One is very calm, one is very angry. One is attracted very much to Torah, one is allergic to Torah. You don't know it yet. They both look like two diamonds that are raw. They all look like a regular stone on the floor. When will you know the maximum potential and achievement of this diamond? In a year. When they finish to polish it, this one is $10 million and this one is $10,000. Why? The way it was developed. So the babies, even though in, a, in raw material diamond, they can tell you the expert, buy this one, don't buy this one. They look the same, but some people know. They have laser, they have ways to know. They say, buy this and this and that. From here, you're gonna get a clean diamond. Don't touch this and this and that. Experience, knowledge, equipment. Even though it looks exactly the same, one will become a $10 million and one will become nothing. Same thing with people. One will be raised in the proper way, will hear the right thing, will learn the right thing, will not watch bad things, and will bloom to become a giant Chacham. And the other one will become Esav. Sometimes, as you are, as a raw material, it's already very negative. You came to the world as you are a reincarnation of a wicked person. You were already wicked in your past life, and you came to the world wicked, but now you have a chance to become righteous. But sometimes you are already righteous. All you have to do is to fix few things. So as soon as you come to the world, you're very much attracted to everything that is holy. I see by the kids. I, I've been now in Herzliya uh, this Shabbat. We had lectures in Yeshiva there. There's one uh, Yeshiva in Herzliya, believe it or not. In the heart of Sodom, one of the greatest Yeshivot, Serious Bnei Torah with such amazing, cute kids, little kids, 
five years old, four, six, big kippot, peot, they learn in Ranana, in a good yeshiva there. Every time I came to the shul, how they ran to kiss my hand, waiting on the sidewalk. One of them ran maybe 50 feet away from the door of the yeshiva to welcome my face before I arrived. I came to welcome the rabbi, say, little kid, four years old. And you have kids four years old, they see a religious person, they take a rock and throw in his head. Why he is like this and he's like that? Combination of two things, who you used to be in your past life and how you were raised. Now you should know, the way you raise your children from zero to six, will affect them the most. The rest of their life, there's not going to be such an impact. Zero to six, it's almost everything. Whatever they absorb in those age, from zero to six, will design their personality in life. It will be very difficult to change after that. Why is it? When you plant a tree, it's very soft. You can design it the way you want. You want it to go to the right, you want it to go to the left. If it's going to the right, you can still push it to the left. But after a while, it becomes solid rock. You can't move it, it's not elastic anymore. That's it. If you go on crooked, it will only become worse. The higher it gets, the faster it will crash. Why? It goes crooked. When you shoot a missile, it has to go 10 miles away to hit the target. If the missile move, before you shoot it, move one millimeter to the right. You know what one millimeter is? Like the thickness of this page. That's it. It's nothing. Nobody can see. Move one tiny, one dot to the right. Right now you can't see anything. Both missiles look exactly aimed to the target. What's one millimeter? Even with machines, it's hard to detect. What happened after 10 miles? It will hit a mile away from the target. The further it's progressing, the further away it goes from the target. When he's a kid, you don't see that he's going to be a very wicked kid. Eventually, he'll be a wicked adult. Because right now there's some minor, minor movements away from the target. This minor change going to the, to the side of the target, off the target, will become a disaster in 10 years from now. That's why the, when the kids are young, the Gemara says, it's like writing on a, on a new paper. New paper, in the old days, used to make papers from the skins of the cows, the sheep, they remove the air, like Sefer Torah, parchments. So, when it's new, it absorbs the ink beautifully. You go with a feather, you dip it in the in ink, you go like this, right away. It goes, it absorbs inside. Five seconds later, it's already in. That's it. But what happens if it's a very old one, and shiny? It's rubbed off. You go over it, it doesn't absorb it. Why? You go like this after 10 minutes, it smears all over the page. Why? Because it's old already. That's the difference between a child and an adult. When you are a child, in two, three months, you learn the whole language. I'm sure some of you know your kids move from America to here, age four, three. They don't know one word in Hebrew. All of a sudden, in one year, they already speak fluent Hebrew. You, 
barely can speak five sentences in English. You know why? What do you want? You're 40, 50, 60. It's hard to learn the language. Kids not only learn a new language, they adopt the new accent. An adult cannot change his accent. That's it. Exactly what I say. When you're older, much harder to change. Why? It becomes your nature. Nature is difficult to change. So why then, why then, Baal Tshuva, people who are 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, and they finally wake up, so why, why then do, do Baal Tshuva, some people are successful with their Tshuva, and some people are dreaming that they're successful with their Tshuva? Good point. First, what you say actually back what I say. Back, you're, you're backing me up. Because I said, when you are young, it's much easier to do tshuva. When you're 18, 19, you can change completely to a real learner, and you go, and you go into yeshiva. A few years later, you're already mamash like from, from birth. When a person in his 50s, 60s, and he want to become a bal tshuva, we're lucky if he will learn an hour a day. We're lucky. You don't find people in their 50s or 60s going full-time to yeshiva, leaving everything, and becoming Dolei Torah. By then, it's usually too late. The younger you are, the better Baal Tshuva you usually will be. But there's always an exception to the rule, it's true. Here and there, you find older people that are very serious. Now, the way how you become a Baal Tshuva, it depends on hundreds of different things. One of the things is, first, how serious you are. Second, every person has a different nature. Some people are usually scared. They're in everything in life, they're scared. That's very good. Being a person, like they say in America, a coward, that's a very positive thing. Why? Only fools do not scared from anything. The smarter you are, the more you are scared for many different things. You're not going to take risks in the highway. You're not going to go around when you don't have a vision who can come around the cliff. Uh, you're not going to jump from a dangerous place. Maybe there are rocks over there. You won't eat everything in a different country. You don't know who knows what's in it. So you are calculated. Before you make a decision if to get married to this girl or not, you think a thousand times, yes, no, yes, no. Why? You calculate. A fool after one day. Yes, that's it. I said yes. Why? The brain, the computer doesn't analyze the information. What does he know? That she's pretty. That's it. What about everything else? Ah, don't, don't make my life hard. Some people, are, they hesitate a lot. Yes, no, I have to think about it. I'm not sure. I need another day. This, But when I finally make a decision, usually they make the right decision. People with no brain, they make quick decisions, 90% of them usually are wrong, like Sleepy Joe. <laughs> While he sleeps, he makes decisions. He doesn't remember if he's away, up. He decided to give Iran 150 billion. While he was asleep, he came to his dream, I don't know. Decided to help the Palestinians all of a sudden. Where is the common sense? No common sense. Trump did this, will do the opposite. Like kindergarten, you know how the kids in the kindergarten? 
One kid did something, the other kid wants to own it. This is how it goes. The smarter you are, the better bad tshuva you be. Because smart people are attracted to learning. When they begin to read Gemara, Mishnah, Humash, they are fascinated. If a woman is smart, usually women in a higher level of spirituality. If a woman is smart and she likes to learn and to listen to things, you're going to find women listen to 10 hours in a row of lectures. From morning to night, they have tons of patience. In between taking care of the house, this, all day listening. Why? The smarter you are, the more you want to hear. The more foolish you are, the less you want to hear. You just want to absorb as less as possible. Why? The more information goes into you, drives you more crazy. You know these long worms with a lot of legs? What's the name of it in English? Centipede. So that worm has, I don't know, like 24 legs. 12 sets of two. One time the cockroach came and said, wow, what a sophisticated system you have. How do you move all 24 legs simultaneously at the same time without getting confused? To move, you know, you move two legs, it's difficult. To move 12? The next hour he came and he saw the worms is on, on the back when the legs going is up. What happened to you? I don't know, from the moment you asked me how I do it, I started to think about it and I messed it up. Yes. So, like you said, Balei Tshuva is first how serious you are. Devotion, patience, irat shamayim. If you are a scared person, as soon as you read the punishment of the Torah, you begin to shake. When you listen to all these liberal, new style speakers who modify the Torah for popularity, purpose, or for different reasons, you are allergic to them. You can hear them a minute. Because you know it's all lies. Shut it right away. You can look at them. Why? Because they modify the Torah of Hashem. When they come to secular people and say you have nothing to worry about. So what if you mechalel Shabbos? So what if you live with a Goya? So what if you don't eat kosher? Hashem loves you anyway. Hashem loves everyone. You're going to heaven. You have nothing to worry about. If you read the Torah once, you know it's all lies. It's all lies. Now one word here was true. It's the exact opposite of the truth. Ah, but this guy had a long beard and a big hat. Who cares? Since when the image of a person determines how right he is? It's baloney. I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you. There was a big... Uh, hero, prophet in the Tanakh, his name was Shimshon, Samson. He was a Gilgul of Nadav. It relates to this parasha we just read on Shabbat, Achremot. One of the reasons Nadav and Aviyu died, the Gemara say, because they did not want to get married. Every Shiduch that was offered to them, they looked down at the girls. She's not good enough, she's not smart enough, her family is not important enough, she's not pretty enough. 
They found what to say about every girl. It's not to our standard. So they don't want. So what was his punishment, Nadav? He was reincarnated in the body of Shimshon. What was his end? He went after a non-Jewish woman and the Philistines poked his eyes. They burned the, the knife in a fire and burned his pupils and poked his eyes out. The worst thing that a person can get. Why? Because he looked at the Goya, fell in love with her and asked to marry her. There are a few levels in the sins with the Goya. The major thing is to ask to marry her, intermarriage. Then your children are not Jewish, it's a big problem. The reason why he got such a big punishment is because he was holy from birth. Hashem sent an angel to his mother. His parents were Manoach and Tzlalfonit. That was his mother, her name was Tzlalfonit. One day she see somebody holy. He came to tell her that she's going to have a, a baby after years that she was barren. And uh, when her husband came, her husband was not a Talmid Chacham, the Gemara say was Amaharetz. Why? Our Chachamim knew Manoach was Amaharetz. He was walking behind his wife on the street. <laughs> Don't get discouraged. His own wife, not behind a strange woman, different woman. Behind his own wife he was walking. It's already an avera. person is not supposed to walk behind a woman on the street. Even his own wife, needless to say, a stranger. What's the problem of a man walking behind his own wife? A man can be with his wife as much as he wants. What's the problem? As long as she's pure, what's the problem? The answer is maritain. The people on the streets would see it. Not everyone is chacham. Wow, such an important rabbi walks in the street behind a woman. He doesn't know it's his wife. Ah, that means it's not so bad. I can also do it. Hachamim said, be careful how you behave in public. Even with your own wife. Tov. So the Gemara says, father is not a Talmud Chacham because he should have known it. If he doesn't know something so obvious, that means he doesn't know Torah. And his mother, just a barren woman, Jewish woman. When she came to Manoach and she told him, the men of God came to visit us. And he said, we're going to have a baby. The Gemara asked, how did she know that he's a man of God? What do you understand from the question of the Gemara? What kind of a question is that? How did she know he's a man of God? He had a very nice white long beard and a turban and he closed his eyes with faces and wore a long white jalabiya and he had someone holding his hand like a real baba and that's how she understood that he's a man of God, no? From Rav Ben-Zion Abba Shaul say from the fact that the Gemara asked, how did she know he's a man of God? From here we learn that the image of a person represents nothing. Don't be fooled by that. Sometimes a person says, oh, Rabbi, I gave money to this guy and stole all my money. Why didn't you ask me before? I would, I would save you. 
I don't know, he has such a long beard and I act like a Rosh Yeshiva. So what? I'll take you to India. You know the Sikhs? The Sikhs that bound down to the cow, all these Indians? The cow, the, you saw how the cow make me shabarach? You have to see this video. They all lay down on the floor, they come, the cow stand over there, they lay down, bow down to the, to the cow, and somehow the cow enjoyed the, enjoyed the ceremony. Pick up the head, the head, the leg, and put it on his head for a few seconds. <laughs> Pick up the head, and he, he gets up, another idiot jump down, like this. You have to see this video. You're not going to believe it. The cow knows how to make Misha Berach to these Indians. So, it, you have to see all these religious Indians with the turban and the white if you never saw the Ben Ishchai. You never saw in your life. And I would show you Ben Ishchai and one of these Tmeim, Leavdil Ben Ataor would I would ask you who's a rabbi and who's not. You won't know. They both have turban, they both have beard. How would you know? So the image of a person not necessarily shows where he is. It's true that if you look at someone with a black hat and a long beard and wearing black and white, and you look at someone with jeans with holes and his hair is all the way up, the chance that the one with the jeans is more righteous than the one with the hat is very, very small but exist, and still there is a chance. But usually the way you dress shows a little bit about your personality and about your Yiddishkeit, your Yirat Shamayim. But there's no guarantee. We've seen people that look extremely full and they are the filthiest people in, on earth. We saw example. For instance, in many community, communities you have ultra-orthodox pedophiles. I heard some of them ran to here to Bechemish. They're hiding over here. You gotta be very careful with your children. You have to train your children day and night not to speak to strangers, even if they look like rabbis. You gotta be very, very careful. These mentally sick people that will do everything they can to satisfy their craziness destroys life. We saw an example of that on the news, unfortunately. So, just because a person may look very, very interesting and impressing, you don't really know for sure who he is. You gotta be very, very careful. The Gemara say, every person in your life, kapdeu vechashdeu. Respect him, in full respect, and suspect him in the most, uh, most, uh, no, careful. You have to be extremely careful with him and suspect him to the maximum level. Meaning, don't leave any money there, don't leave things when, you, when you're not around. What do you mean? He's, he's, he has a very big reputation. The Gemara say, I respect him like the Babasali, I suspect him like Esav. I don't know what, what's going to come out of this person. I've got to be very careful. Same thing in business, same thing with the neighbors, same thing on the road. Same thing everywhere you go. In one hand, I have to respect you, give you the benefits of the doubt. On the other hand, I am alert. Who knows what's gonna come in the next minute from you. The more you will understand what I just say, the less problems you will have.
you won't eat your heart, but I trusted him. He was a full man. I didn't read. You can't trust anyone today. You must check one, and if you know him 20 years, he did a lot of business with them, and you know word is a word, after 20 years you can trust the person. But if you just look at his image, me an image does not mean anything. You understand? So you gotta be very careful. So, to, so, you know, they come here, I don't know why the Israeli police do nothing about it, they ran away from America. If they get caught in America, they'll spend the rest of their life in, in, a, in a prison. It's very strict over there. But over here, for some reason, the government doesn't understand that it's worse than murder. They take a child and do what you do, it's basically worse than a murder. Messed up their entire life later on. Not to talk about making go of the derech and hate religion and fight against the religion. A lot of these people used to be in yeshivot and now they hate Torah and they are lefties and they make websites against Torah and against tshuva as people that are victims of the Haredi system. <coughs> Hundreds of them I met over the years. As soon as they begin to talk and think about their past, you see the hate that come out of their face and you already know he's a victim of someone. He was abused, he was tortured. Chaval, such a shame, because 99% of the people are great. Most Haredim are great people. Bale chesed, honest, trying to help, trying to walk on their midot. But remember, all you need is 1% to be wicked. One out of a hundred, 10 out of a thousand. That's all you need. For every thousand people in the neighborhood, you have 10 dangerous criminals. 10, 10 in the street. Thousand people live in the street, in the buildings. Only 10 of them, that's already a disaster. Same thing with Muslims. Most Arabs in the world, they wanna just leave, wanna make some money, go to sleep, go to work, that's it. No, I don't want terrorism, I don't want to go and kill people. But all you need is 1%. You have 1.8 billion Muslims. If 1% of them are pro-terrorism and violence, it's hundreds of millions of Tens of millions of people. Tens of millions of terrorists. But it's only 1%. 99% are not interested in uh, violence and killing and shooting. They just want to live and let live. But 1%, it's already tens of thousands. And that's what you see everywhere you go. Al-Qaeda and ISIS and all that. Let's move on. How do you become a thinker that thinks exactly like Hashem? Who can tell me the answer? Remember, this is an obligation. We, we read it yesterday in the parasha. We read it. The Torah said, Kdoshim tiyu ki kadoshani. You have to be holy because I'm holy. Meaning you have to be like me. Hashem is merciful, you have to be merciful. Hashem is Baal Chesed, you have to be Baal Chesed. Hashem is very honest, you have to be very honest. Everything Hashem is, you have to hope to be. That's your goal. Everything Hashem loves, you must love. Everything Hashem hates, you must hate. Even if they love it in the university, the liberals, doesn't matter. I hate when Hashem hates, but it's not in style. Rabbi, don't talk like that. People like it in today's generation. Better don't talk about it, it's a sensitive issue. 
the opposite. Now you have to talk only about that. Torah is not politics. Politicians, they say, they say to you, politicians say to you what you want to hear. Why? Because they want you to vote for them. Rabbis not supposed to tell you what you like to hear. They must tell you the truth. 100%. If they're becoming manipulators, twisting the truth of the Torah because they want to find favor in your eyes, or they want your check, or they want you to give them a like in Facebook, they're not rabbis. They're already reformed. That's what the reform people do. They modify the Torah based on their convenience. Reform doesn't have to be a gay rabbi. It can be someone who knows a lot of Torah and speaks beautifully, but five times in a lecture, modify the truth of the Torah to make people happy, to make people like what he say, to make people give him a like, to make people send him money online while he's speaking. Those are the reasons. Or he was educated in the wrong way. He belongs to some cult or something, and again, they brainwash him with all kinds of nonsense. He believes it. We only care what the Torah really says. Everything else is maybe true, maybe not. What's written, that's all we care about. So now, the Torah says, The Torah said, we read it yesterday, V'evdalti etchem inamin liot li. Chazal say, Rashi writes, if you follow me, you are mine. If you're not, you belong to the Goyim. So you have to make a decision. You want to belong to Hashem or you want to belong to Arafat? Or Chris or Hillary Clinton? You have to make a decision. Who you want your boss to be? The creator of the world? The master of universe? or any politician, or any wicked person. You have to make a decision. The Torah continue. You, ha you have to be holy. Who? Every Jew. Not only the Babasali, or the Lubavitch Rebbe, or Rav Eliashiv, or Rav Ovadia. No, no, no. Every ordinary Jew, boy and girl, young, old, smart, stupid, rich, poor, sharp, not sharp, whatever the case is, the Torah says you must be holy. The Torah did not say all rabbis or all presidents of the community have to be holy. That's not what the Torah said. The Torah said, the entire nation of Israel must be holy. The question is, what does it mean you have to be holy? How you become holy? The way you dress? Wrong. The size of your beard? Wrong. How you become holy? Define holy. What does Hashem want? I don't understand. A person drive a taxi all day on the street, summer, this, that. How can he be holy? 90% of his days in horrible places, horrible neighborhoods. Customers that speak all kinds of kfira in his cab. How can he be holy? What does it mean to be holy? Let's start with that. Separated. Separated from whom? Separated from the culture of the goyim and from their ideology. Separated from their behaving. Separated. 
all Jews have this obligation. I want to ask you now. You know every Shabbat we read apart from the Haftarah, from the Prophet. Who knows why? Why we read Maftir? What's the reason we have to read apart from the Prophet or the Kings? We, only, we already read the Parashat HaShavua. Why we have to read something from the Nach? Great answer, exactly the truth. When the Goyim made decrees that you're not allowed to read in the Torah, you're not allowed to preach, you're not allowed to read the Torah in public, what? The Jews didn't know what to do. So, well, after a few years, people will forget the, the, the order of the chapters. So what are we going to do? So they say to the Goyim, don't worry, we're not going to read in the Torah, we respect you. We're only going to read what our Rabbi said, not what God said. The Goyim, they knew that the power of the Jews is by them being connected to the Torah of Hashem. So first decree was, you cannot learn Torah. What do you care what I learn? No, no. If you learn Torah, it's my end. I want to make you weak. How do I make you weak? I make you not learn Torah. What else? What else? No Brit Milah. Don't make Brit Milah. What? I want you to be like me. If you don't make Brit Milah, you're like a Goy. You're like a Goy, you have nothing special. You're not the chosen people. Very good, I defeat you like that. Rosh Chodesh. You're not allowed to announce Rosh Chodesh. What do you care about Rosh Chodesh? Because we want you not to fast on Yom Kippur. We don't want you to know when is Yom Kippur. We don't want you to know when is your Rosh Hashanah, the Judgment Day. We want you to eat Hametz and Pesach. By that, we're going to make you all goyim. Lechu v'nakhidem migoyim. The goyim did not say, let's kill them. They just say, let's turn them to be like us. That they won't be the nation of Israel. Now, I want to ask you a question. Where in the Haftarah you found the connection to Parashat Kedoshim? We read the Parashat of Kedoshim. That's a chapter from Yechezkel. Hashem said to the Jewish nation after 900 years that he was frustrated from our behaving. He said, what, you're going to ask me to forgive you? You're going to ask me to pretend that nothing happened? I'm telling you in advance, I will not forgive you and I will not cooperate with your nonsense. Tell me now, what's the connection between the Aftara to Parashat Kedoshim? Who, who realized? First thing I always do is I want to see the connection. I read the Aftarah. Oh, here he's talking about one thing the, Aftar, the parasha spoke about. Ha, what's the connection? I'll tell you what's the connection. The Aftarah spoke about Shabbat. How many times is mentioned Shabbat in the Aftarah? Who, who paid attention? How many times? Four times in one page. Four times in the words of the Prophet Yechezkel. And you should keep Shabbat, you should keep my Shabbatot, and you should not uh, disrespect Shabbat. Four times in one speech. Four. I do it once every speech. Kind of push Shabbat in every lecture. But four times? Don't you think they got the point already? Once, twice, it's enough. 
how is Shabbat is connection to Parashat Kedoshim? There are other places in the Torah that speaks about Shabbat. It's mentioned Shabbat shortly in the parasha, but not highlight Shabbat like other places in the Torah. Veshamrug Israel to Shabbat, there's other places. What's the connection between Shabbat and Kedoshim to you? The answer is the only way to be a kosher Jew and separate you from the Goyim is to be Shomer Shabbat. I'll prove it to you. If you come to a person that's starting to do tshuva, he's starting to come to classes, starting to put filin, eating kosher, right? You ask him, hey, Itzik, you saw him putting tefillin. Itzik, what, you became religious? No, no, he's not tefillin. No big deal. Tough, I got nervous. Tough. Next day, he see Itzik, excuse me, is the meat here is glad kosher? What kind of abanut? But that's this, mach food? Okay, so make me a burger, please. Itzik. What, you become a religious? No, big deal, ma. Kosher meat, it's healthy, it's clean. No problem. Okay, everything he would do, Itzik, you become religious? No, don't be fanatic, I'm not religious. Once he became Shomer Shabbat, Itzik, you became religious? He cannot say no. Every other thing, he can still deny it. Once he became Shomer Shabbat, there's no denial. Itzik, you became religious. I'm becoming bad Shuvah. Because once you become Shomer Shabbat, you cannot claim that you're not religious. Why? Because Shabbat is the foundation of Judaism. That's why it's written seven times in Shulchan Aruch that someone that does not keep Shabbat is count 100% like a non-Jew in the eyes of Hashem. 100% like a non-Jew. No difference between him and Ahmed, the Chris, and Mustafa, and all the rest. Not only that, even when he dies, you cannot bury him in a Jewish kosher cemetery. You have to bury him on the other side of the wall in a section of non-Shomre Shabbat, like Goim. He cannot bury tzaddik with rasha together, the halacha say. And there is no bigger rasha than Mechalel Shabbat in the Torah. Two sins make you lose your Jewish status. If you are a murderer, you're still a Jew. If you eat pork every day, you're still a Jew. If you are the biggest crook in business, you're still a Jew. Madoff, still a Jew, if he was Shomer Shabbat. Every crime you commit, you are a wicked Jew, but you are a Jew. Two sins make you become a Goy. You become officially like a Goy. Mechalel Shabbat and Oved Avodah Zarah. Like the Rambam say in Shulchan Aruch. Shulchan Aruch says seven times, Mechalel Shabbat hareu kegoy lechol davar. If he touch the wine, the wine is nesech, completely like a goy. Texting on Shabbat, touching electric, ripping toilet paper on the lines, lighting fire, driving a car, turning the computer on. Sometimes, unfortunately, even from kids, they get the impression that they can text each other on Shabbat. Who told you that? 
turning a phone on, the light goes on, you type, you write. Two letters you write, already is Chidul Shabbat. Two letters. And some say, no, Rabbi, but it's rabbinical. It's not the Oraita. You don't get stoning and cut for the soul. I will never light a cigarette. I wait until after Shabbos. I will not start the engine of my car because I understand it's death penalty. But texting is only rabbinical. First of all, it's not so true. But even if it was true, every rabbinical restriction in the Torah, it's also from God. Because in Parashat Shoftim, Hashem say, everything they tell you and instruct you, you must listen to them. Do not move left or right from everything they instruct you. And everyone who would not listen to the Chachamim should be put to death. And you clean the bed out of your, out of your place. Nadav and Aviu, they had another problem, the Gemara said. They, they instructed halacha in front of Moshe and Aaron. They are the chief rabbis, the leaders, and none of the view as great as they were, they were not allowed to do what they did. But I don't get it. I'm sure Moshe didn't care, and I'm sure Aaron didn't care that his own son answered halacha or something. If it was strangers, maybe, maybe it was, would hurt your, your respect. Why are you answering? I'm the rabbi here. No, okay. At least we understand what you're saying. But if your own son answered to the guest something, well, he has to die now. It's the last thing you want as a parent that your son will die because he answers someone alacha. And Moshe, the uncle, he would want them to die? He would suffer for the rest of his life for it. Why Hashem is so angry? What's the big deal? They don't care, Moshe and Aaron. If they don't care, why you care? They didn't make a big deal out of it. The answer is, the Torah came to teach the rest of the generations how to behave. And since it's a big thing in the eyes of Hashem that someone may even a little bit disrespect the Chacham, already the Torah wanted to show you what Hashem thinks about it. Today, in the last year, we found people that are religious, or call themselves religious. They had the highest level of chutzpah and arrogance and pride. The highest. I never saw in my life such thing. It opened up my eyes in the last year. People that are religious by like tshuva 10, 20, or even more years, and what do they do? Write comments in the internet, Against who? Against Rav Chaim Kanievsky, against Rav Asher Weiss, against Rav Zilberstein, against Rav Sternbuch, against Rav Yitzchak Yosef, against Rav Mazuz, against Rav Shalom Cohen, against Rav Benzion Mutsafi, and few other Gdole Olam. Why? Vaccines. They anti-vaccine. Okay, nobody tells you to be pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine. If that's your opinion, that's what you believe in, you watch a thousand nonsense YouTube videos and you made up your mind that vaccine will kill you and everybody in Israel will die, which Baruch Hashem now won't die, but this is your opinion, keep it for yourself. 
You don't want to go get vaccinated, stay home. You want to take the risk, you want to die. Whatever will happen, it's between you and Hashem. If Hashem thinks he went against Gdolet Torah, he will punish you severely. If Hashem thinks it's no big deal, he will let you go. But why do you dare to stand and convince the whole world to rebel against the biggest rabbis in the world? Sfaradi and Ashkenazi and Hasidish. Where do you get the nerve from? Nadav and Aviyu never dare to offend Moshe and Aaron in their face or to disrespect them in their face. God forbid. But they did it anyway with not that much attention for what they did. And they died instantly. People who actually declare a war against the opinions of Gdolei Torah, they don't know what they're talking about, they're not doctors. I went to university, I know better than them. What does Rav Chaim Kanievsky know about MRNM? Whatever it calls. What does he know about it? That's the problem. They don't understand that if the Chachamim ruled that you gotta take it, even if there was a life risk in it, Hashem is automatically has to defend the nation. Hashem is not gonna make nine biggest rabbis in the world make thousands of Jews die because of them. Cannot be. And if it will be, that means our end had to arrive anyway. If it wouldn't be this, a, a nuclear bomb will fall on our head, God forbid. If Hashem decided that all of us would die, then He would make the Chachamim make mistakes and everyone would die. But it doesn't look like Hashem wants us to die because in the end you saw that He sent us the vaccine that saved us. Without this, we would be like now in Brazil, you know, in India. Brazil and India, three to four thousand people a day. And it grows every day more than yesterday. Every, soon you're going to hear in India 30,000, 40,000 people dying in a day. Holocaust in India. It can, get, it can come to millions of people dying every month. It's a snowball. It doesn't grow from 10 to 20, from 20 to 30, from 30 to 40. 10 become 20, 20 become 40, 40 become 80, 80 become 200. That's how it grows. But Hashem saved us. So you don't agree? Be quiet. Chachamim, say something. Be quiet. What's your opinion about it? Doesn't matter. It's not relevant. Why? You're a doctor. If Chaim Kanievsky says something, it does not matter anymore what I think. That's a kosher joke. That, mean, that means to think like Hashem. Hashem say everything they say, you must listen to them. Do not move left or right from what they say, because if you will, you don't deserve to leave. That's written in the Torah in Parashat Shoftim. Don't open your mouth. They open a new university for women. Maybe it's a good idea. Maybe. Maybe it's good that women will learn computers and they bring Parnassah home and help their husband and learn Torah that they will have a little bit more comfortable life, that they won't get depressed, that the kids will grow healthy. There's a lot of fantastic things maybe in it. That's our opinion. But what happens if Rav Chaim Kanievsky will come and say, close it, it's not good, it will bring destruction. End of story. Kosher Jew knows when to close his mouth. If you remember a few years ago, one guy from from New York came up with a kosher switch. Kosher switch, you can light light on Shabbos. Hit the button, the computer randomly decide when it will turn the lights on. You don't turn it on, the computer will. 
you, when you press the button, it only moves a piece of plastic. So now the computer will begin randomly to send pulses. One of them would light the light randomly. Sometimes after two seconds, sometimes after seven seconds. Halachically, he went to few big rabbanim. They all said it's kosher, no problem whatsoever. They gave him letters. They gave him even a video, I saw them. He came to me, I checked it, and I said, I don't see any problem in I even spoke about it in my lectures. Wow, it's gonna prevent millions of Chilolei Shabbat. Install it in every secular home. They turn electric hundreds of times every Shabbat. At least none of, none, it's gonna prevent billions of Chilolei Shabbat. It's gonna save our nation from all this tragedy. I was so excited, so happy. Everywhere you're gonna have it. You run to the hospital, you're stuck, your wife giving birth, you, you did not prepare anything, you can turn things on. I thought it's gonna make a revolution in a tshuva world. All of a sudden, Rabbi Belsky came out, one of G'dolei Ador in America, said it's completely not kosher. A day later, Avraham Kanievsky, not kosher. Few more days later, another two or three big Dolei Torah say it's not kosher. I came up right away in my first lecture, I remember it was in Englewood, New Jersey. Everything you heard from me about the kosher switch, please forget. I don't understand why it's not kosher, but it's not relevant. All the biggest rabbinim say not to do it, end of story. That's it, that's the way a Jew has to think. I think yes. The big Chacham say, no, okay Chacham, no problem, you know. Same thing with your doctor. What do we know about medicine? Nothing. We come to the doctor, the doctor check you out, say, I want you to go to a specialist now. Don't go home. Go quickly. Why, why, why? I feel good, I'm strong, I just came out from the gym. I don't have any problem, no fever, no weakness. Nothing is wrong with me. No, no, I saw something in your skin. Run quickly. Why? It's nothing, I have it for two years. Run quickly. If you don't run, you're the biggest fool. Maybe in a month you'll be dead already. You know, melanoma, all these things. It looks nothing. It goes inside and it kills you. Cancer. People died from it. It looks like nothing. For ignorant people, it's nothing. For a skin doctor, it's a big thing. Immediately, don't wait another day. So when you come to specialists, you know that he knows better than you, right? Why when you come to the biggest rabbi in the world, all of a sudden you think you know better than them? So this is rabotai, this, this means to think like Hashem. I have to read the Torah many, many times every week, the parasha of the week, again with Rashi, with English translation. A lot of teenagers, I tell them, read the, read the parasha. No, it's so long. I learned Gemara all week in yeshiva. It's hard. Listen, you fool. It's for your own good. In a few years from now, you're going to bless me every day of your life. If every year you're going to do the cycle, seriously, two, three hours, before Shabbos, Friday on Shabbat, you read the whole parasha in art scroll with Rashi and English translation, even women, after six, seven years, you will know the Chumash perfectly. You know all the details, you know what subject is in which parasha, you know what it means. Most Jews don't know anything about Chumash. It's such a disgrace. In 
even people who know the man of Gemara, when you speak about the parsha, they don't know anything, some of them. How do you become a brain surgeon before you check what Advil does to the body? I don't get it. Even in medicine, you have to have the right order. First you check about the nerve system, and about the body, and about the heart, and about the body temperature, the basic things. Then you go into the brain. You don't go right away to the brain and try to operate on it. If you don't know Humash, why are you running into Gemara and put all your life into it? Even the Ramba say, the Rambam that said that you have to learn Gemara all your life, he said this is only after you know Humash and Halacha. From now on, you learn Gemara for the rest of your life. They think it's a punishment. A father should make a test for his children. I'm going to ask you 20 questions on the parasha. Come Friday night or Shabbos morning, ready. I don't care when you're going to learn it. You have all week. I'm testing you what this pasuk means. What Rashi say about this. If you prepare it, believe me, after a few years, the knowledge you will have in Torah. Now, why it's important to learn Chumash? Because you learn how Hashem thinks. When it comes to gays, you see what Hashem thinks about them. When it comes to politicians, you see what Hashem thinks about them. For instance, when Shmuel and Moshe gives a speech to the nation, Moshe and Shmuel, Shmuel is a huge chacham, big, big prophet, great prophet, equal like Moshe and Aaron, the Gemara said. So two of the greatest people ever lived, Moshe Rabbeinu and Shmuel. Both of them. They started the speech to the nation in the same way. All of you know that I did not receive anything from you. Shmuel say, even the donkey, meaning a car in our days, even a donkey that you had to sponsor for me as I come to teach you, I need transportation, it was your obligation to get me a donkey, even a donkey, I refuse to accept from you. I bought it with my own money. When Moshe started a speech like that, and Shmuel started a speech like that, what do you learn right away about rabbis and leaders of community? What do you learn? Huh? It's true that we should stick to the tradition, but you can learn it from different places. What do you learn from the opening statement of both speeches? You cannot accuse them of having taken any bribe or anything. Nobody talks about bribe here. Even things that you are, you are obligated to give me, which is not a bribe, a payment, I did not receive from you. Why both leaders chose to start their rebuke to the nation with this statement? We don't owe you anything. Yeah, we don't owe you? You don't owe us because we'd be obligated a chorus of toe. Right. And since we didn't give, we didn't, we didn't take anything from you, then we're not obligated to. Very good. And I will add one more thing. That once you begin to charge money for your classes, and once people have to pay you money for your living and you charge your student for your expenses, 
you lose your power to rebuke them. Because they think they own you. That's why Moshe and Shmuel say, listen, don't do us any favor here. We did not get anything from you. Everything we did for you was for free. So now you sit and be quiet and listen to what we have to say. Meaning, if you paid us thousands of dollars every day salary or every week, then, then you would have a claim against us. This is what you learn from here. So right away you learn that the right way to influence a person and make him a Baal Tshuva, if it's purely Lishem Shamayim, not for business and money and donations. Don't worry, the donations will come. Hashem will, will give enough donations for you to continue to work. Unless He does not want you to work, okay? But the fact that I'm starting my statement with I did not receive anything from you, that's a big thing. They should have said to Shmuel, what nafkamina we have? Who cares if you receive or not? Why are you, te why are you telling us this? We never care to give you anything. But they didn't say a word, meaning they knew that they have no say. Meaning if they did give him, even a donkey that they owe him, they would say to him, please, please, don't forget who sponsors you. Don't forget thanks to who you are by here. Don't forget who writes your check. Where do you see it? In all the synagogues in the world that has a board of directors. They are the real rabbi of the shul, even though they don't know how to read Hebrew, some of them. And some of them married to non-Jewish people. And some of them mechalelei Shabbat. And some of them are just evil, proud people. Not always, sometimes. The rabbi is a picture on the wall over there, why? If you will say something they don't like, they fire him. Which synagogues the rabbi can say whatever he wants? Synagogue that he opened with his own money. Meaning people gave him money, he opened a congregation on his organization and built it and there's no board. No one here will tell me what to teach and what to say. You don't like it? Go to a different synagogue. Go to the conservative across the street. Those are the rabbis who can actually make a change. Everywhere else, they can't even speak about modesty. If we'll speak about the way the women dress, the women will make sure he won't be a rabbi for another week there. Moshe, did you fire the rabbi yet? What kind of a man you are? In your business, everyone is afraid to make a peep. And the rabbi insulted your own wife, he's talking about my wig and talks about my short skirt and you're quiet? I expect the rabbi to be out of here by tomorrow, no later than 7 a.m. Eshet Korach. Why? He touched her ego. She can't sleep at night from anger. Who does he think he is? What's the problem? How does he dare to talk about my wig that is too long and too flashy? And about my high heels? And about my miniscale? Mine is on business! It's like someone said to the doctor, Ma'am, we have to get you in an operation room. You have spreading cancer. We have to do whatever we can to save your situation. Mind your own business, you stupid doctor. Otherwise, my husband will make sure they fire you from the hospital. I'm trying to save your life and you want to get me fired? That's... With rabbis, it's fine. With doctors, it sounds stupid. But with rabbis, somehow, it's fine. Why? 
because people don't think like the Torah. When you give tzedakah, you have to give tzedakah like the Torah say, not like your heart say. Your heart say, see a homeless on the street, immediately you feel bad for him, you can't give him a hundred dollars. What is he going to do with that? Buy non-kosher food and eat with no bracha. Why didn't you give it to the Bachur Yeshiva that is just as poor? At least with your money, he's going to do some mitzvot, kosher, this, buy kosher food, make brachot, learn more Torah because he's going to be less hungry. Something good will happen to the Jewish nation. Why are you giving it to a wicked person? He's only going to make more sins with your money. Why are you giving money to Mechal and Shabbos that is going to use your money to put gas in his car and drive the whole Shabbat? Why you buy someone tickets to Florida if you know the soul will be destroyed over there? It's my son, he's asking, help. Tell your son, when you want to go to Monsi to learn in Yeshiva, I'll sponsor the tickets and whatever you need over there. You want to go to Florida? You buy the ticket. Yes? I said to one parent, his daughter is getting married. She wants three weeks. It's in style now, not one. One for weekdays, one for Shabbos, and one half week, whatever that means. Don't ask me, I don't know what it means. So a few thousand dollars. And of course, it's impossible to find a short week everywhere. It's all very long. So I said to the father, you paying for everything? Yes. Say to your daughter, you want three weeks? They have to be above the shoulder, I'll pay for them. You want them to be long, you pay for them. That's it. I'm not paying for your sins. I'm not going to pay you to be machtiat arabim that every man on the street would look at you. I'm not going to pay you if you want to buy high heels that everyone looks at your legs when you walk. I'm not going to buy all these lipsticks that you put that are not kosher and provocative. You have to think like Hashem. Before you do something, is Hashem approving it or not? Hashem is happy that I'm going to write that check to this person or he's going to be upset. My heart is hurt because he's suffering. But do I have an obligation to help him or Hashem will get angry at me? If you have a Nazi, Nazi that killed your grandparents in Europe and he, and he puts on, online that he needs donations for food, would you want to help him? Rabbi, we're not, like, not going to be like them. They are bad, but we are not like this. We are merciful Jews. I will even help someone like that. That's Hasid Shoteh. Why do you need to give the Nazi money when Bachure Shivaira are starving across the street? When you finish paying for all the poor Jews, your brothers and sisters, and you have a lot of money left, then we'll worry about the enemies of Israel. Right now, there are priorities. Yes? Yeah, I was going to ask you, um, when you gave the example of the wigs and the children who want to buy the shakeholds and the high shoes, today the Bidolin have turned around and said, to just give your children love and understanding, and that's the only way they will come back. They don't need your money to buy the high shoes. If you don't support it, they'll get it somewhere else. And the fact that you say no, and it's the favor, There's no contradiction between giving the children a lot of love, but at the same time, we have to tell them what's right and what's wrong. 
if the kid will say, I want to marry Christine and I want you to buy me a house and to pay for my wedding and to pay for the priest who will come perform the ceremony, would you do that? That, that, that's considered to give them love. I will pay for your marriage to Christine. Or if he's a gay child and he says, I want to marry my boyfriend. But I want you to pay it and I want you to pay me to buy me this and I want you to buy me that and I want you to buy me a $20,000 diamond ring because I want to put it on my husband's finger. <laughs> and if you don't give it to me, it shows you don't love me. You're not a good parent. No, but the, I'm saying it's a red line. But you don't, don't say to do that. Yeah. The example of the short skirts and the high heel shoes, the Gadolim do say, and there was a massive battle recently who had a child who was in the Halal Shabbat. And he said, please come to my house on Shabbat. And he came with his car keys and he sat at the table and today he's a Rosh Hashiva. And they said the only reason he came back to Judaism was because of that. Again, like I said, no contradiction. It doesn't mean that if you're not agreeing to pay for someone's sins that you don't love him. You give him a lot of love. Uh, there was a Should a father pay for the child who wants a car to drive shopping? I'll tell you what. I know who you're talking about. You're talking about Rabbi Adelstein. There was an interview with Rabbi Adelstein. There's not one gadol in the world that agree with what he said. That's his opinion. I didn't hear about Rabbi Yaakov Hillel, but every other gadol would, you would ask if you have to pay for your children's sins, if your daughter wants to wear provocative clothes and walk naked on the street, if you have to buy her the clothes and agree that she will bring a, a goy boyfriend into your house and he will sit with you on your Shabbos next to it. Oh, give me names, I want to hear. I never saw it. I know that when Rav Adelstein answered that question, I asked a few people and they asked around, nobody agreed with that. To give them love, it's no contradiction, but there has to be a limit. You have other children in the house. You're going to let someone come to the house and do whatever you want. You're going to lose your other five children. What do you think? Why they are less than them? So you want to help them when they're isolated, when they're around, when they're somewhere else, they're making their sins far away. And you want to give them benefits to become better, so you give them a lot of love. I'm your, I'm your parents with, uh, unconditionally. All of that, I agree. There's no question about it. But to come to buy your daughter clothes that she will walk naked on the street in front of the whole community just because you want to give them love, I totally disagree with that. I never saw in the Torah anything like that. The Torah said the opposite. I'm not chas v'shalom, any man de amar. You can go to Rav Chaim Kanievsky and ask him yourself and tell me what he say. I'm telling you he would not agree that you should pay for your children uh, your sins. Again, give them love, yes. Help them when it comes to certain things. Everything has to be a question to a rabbi. Rabbi, my child wants... He wants me to give him $10,000 to buy an heroin and needle. And he says, if I'm not giving it to him, I'm not a good parent. Should I buy him or not? Ask the rabbi. Should I buy him or not? Most rabbis would say, no, absolutely not. You don't want your child to die. Also, if your son say, I want to marry a, a non-Jewish girl and I want you to help me with that. If you help him with that, you destroy his soul. All his children will be going. So you're not helping him. That's not love. That's hate. Someone that hates his child will help him to marry a non-Jewish girl or to bring her in Shabbos to the table. There has to be a limit. We cannot bring the Torah to the ground just to satisfy the spoiled children around. 
You understand? I don't understand. The, we get lower and lower and they only take more and more advantage. There has to be a limit. Enough is enough. You're going to continue with this. Find yourself another place to do it. Not over here. There's other children here. You don't want to follow the Torah. Why should I give my life for you? He's a good friend of mine. And I speak to him, and certain things that he does I agree with, and some of the things he does I totally disagree with, and we're still very good friends. He only went to Rav Adelstein, that's the video he made. And I asked him, can you go back to Rav Adelstein and show me one source to what he say? I'm waiting two years for that. Okay, I'm not going to speak against a Gadol Batorah. So if that's his opinion, if you follow him in everything he does, you have nothing to worry about. When you come to Hashem and he asks you, why did you buy your daughter a very long shaitel or high heels or miniskirt? He will say, Rav Adashten told me to do that. My rabbi disagree. He said not to do this. Okay, so, okay, difference of opinion. But I'm, I'm sure that inside your heart, you know what the Torah really say to do. The, again, it's no contradiction to give the children love, to respect them, to encourage them, even when they're not learning so much, you give them a push, you give them uh, good words to build them up, that's no problem. Everybody must do it. Today, uh, for instance, today, the Gemara said to be very strict with the kids and even violent sometimes. Today, it's not gonna work. Everybody agree today, violence only turns things to become worse. Because the ego of the children and their arrogance is a, the highest it's ever been. So therefore, if you're going to smack a child on purpose, it's going to do everything to do the opposite from now on. That works as well with not finding the clothing that they want and the shapes that they want. It turns them off and it makes them bitter and it makes them angry. First of all, you have to know that many, many big Dolei Torah does not agree shadow at all. According According to many important Gdolei Torah, a woman that wears a shadel, she will be in a very bad place in hell. I asked Rav Yaakov Hillel himself. Rav Yaakov Hillel, with all due respect, we're talking about Rav Ovadia Yosef, the biggest... I'm talking about the biggest chacham on our generation for Sfaradim. According to Rav Ovadia Yosef, a woman that wears a, a, a guaranteed to go to hell. Now, I'm not coming to tell you his opinion and that's it, because I know there's other Ashkenazi rabbis that allow wigs. But even those who allow it say that it has, cannot be too flashy and too puffy and too long. It has to be a limit, because in the end, the wigs are meant for modesty, not to become more provocative. You understand? So everyone will do what his rabbi tell him. So if they don't want to listen, you can't force them. They already get married. Your daughter, she's a woman on her own. She's not going to listen to you for the rest of her life. She has her own life. But why should I pay for it? That's the point. You want to make scenes. According to my understanding of the Torah, what you do is wrong. Why should I sponsor it? Find someone else to sponsor. I'll sponsor every mitzvah you do. It's not about being stingy. When you tell me I want to do this and this and that, or I need money to do something positive, I'll give you five times more than the wigs. But when you do something, they actually admire it. Because they know when you're honest, they admire it. Maybe they'll give you an argument in the beginning, but after a while they know you're right. But again, everybody must do what his rabbi tells him. If you have a kosher rabbi, 
like she mentioned kosher names, Rav Adelstein, Rav Yaakov Ilet, this is big chachamim, ask them what to do. Whatever they say, you clean in Shamayim. You understand? I say what my rabbi says, and some other big rabbis that I heard their opinions, there is a limit to how much you have to bargain with children in order for them not to think you hate them. You know, and, some, and remember, some kids are manipulators. They take advantage. They, they realize, for instance, a lot of kids, they know, I need this. My father won't give it to me, but my mother will. So they go to the mother. Then there's something else. The mother won't give it, but the father will. So they go to the father. Or if both of them will not give, so they go to someone that can influence the parent. This is manipulation. They know I need to get what I want, regardless if it's kosher or not. I want to get it. So this is it. Again, no, I'm not arguing. The kids in this generation need a lot of love and attention and support. And there are many things that they do wrong that it's better not to make a big deal out of it. There are a lot of things that I agree with. But to give them money to commit the biggest crimes against Hashem, let's not go that far. Any more questions? We give a few more minutes for questions and then we'll finish. Yes? Um, as far as doing Kiru with the unaffiliated and with Shomer Shabbat, yes. um, You want to influence someone that is not Shomer Shabbat to be Shomer Shabbat? First thing you have to do is there are uh, films of some good speakers that speaks about Shabbat, explain the beauty of it, what Shabbat is for, why Hashem gave it before the Torah, a lot of positive things about Shabbat and they begin to understand what it is. Because in, in life, if a person doesn't understand what he does, it's gonna be very difficult for him to follow. So if the more they understand about it, the better it is. If the nice way does not work, then you send them to my film. That will work for sure. I have a film about Shabbat. After they watch it, they will never dare to be Mkhalet Shabbat. Yes? I think you mentioned it I want to listen it again to my, to both of my... Okay. Uh, look, I, I'm a medical doctor. Yes. I work with vaccines for uh, 30 years. Yes. Uh, I don't have a PhD in biochemistry, uh, but for more. Uh, I'm disappointed, disappointed about medicine. I don't, I don't think this is a vaccine. Not good for much. But at the same time, I have a uh, You have to know one thing. There is a very big specialist in medicine. His, his name is Rabbi Elimelech Firer. Even the biggest doctors in Israel consult with him what to do with specific patients. 
where to send them, what to give them, when to perform a surgery. He's so big in medicine, he's 40 years learning around the clock everything in medicine. That doctors admitted on a video, big doctors in Israel, is one, Israel have some of the best doctors in the world, you know. The, the level of learning in medicine in Israel is the highest in the world, among the highest. And all the big doctors in America, many of them are Israelis. You know, in Israel almost all the doctors are Arab. Because all the Israeli doctors are in America making millions. Everywhere you go, Israeli doctor, Israeli gynecologist, Israeli cardiologist. You meet a lot of Israeli doctors in America. They went after the big money. But you have to know one thing. Nobody argue that Raveli Melech Filler no medicine than any doctor here in Israel. And he checked the vaccine from A to Z, everything. And he came to all the biggest rabbis in the world and he told them it's perfectly safe, you have nothing to worry. Based on him and some other opinions that they heard, they ruled that everybody must take it. Not allowed to take, must take it. After that, today, three months later, Israel, instead of having 100,000 dead people that we could have had by now, stuck, Baruch Hashem, on 6,300, and yesterday nobody died, I think today nobody dies, the last few weeks almost nobody died. You know who dies? Only those who did not get vaccine. For me, nothing can be more clear than that. Does it have a risk? Every medicine has a risk. Every pill you put in your body may have side effects. Every operation may have side effects. Everything in medicine can turn wrong. Even the best doctors in the world in, a, in the middle of a surgery can mess up. We go by the odds. If the biggest rabbis in the world rule to take it, we do what Hashem told us. If something bad will happen to us, we come to Hashem and we'll tell him, I follow Avraham Kanievsky, and this is what happened. The rest is not in my hand. You understand? That's the way a Jew has to think. If a Jew prefer to listen to doctors and professors from YouTube than to listen to Gdolei Torah, that's because he does not know what Torah is. If he would listen to the Torah, he would know the Torah says when a person is sick, he will go to the rabbi first and then to the doctor. Why to the rabbi first? I tell you why. Because when a rabbi gets upset, and the rabbi is broken heart that he stood and he's sick, and he begins to pray on it for him. Now when he goes to the doctor, he may have, let's say, a serious cancer in his body. He may, he may not have a chance to live. But the fact that he went to the rabbi first, before the doctor told him the bad news, he only have pain. He came to the rabbi, and the rabbi said, I'm giving you a blessing, you should be healthy, I will daven for you and all that. Because of that, when he came to the doctor, between the rabbi and the doctor, Hashem took away the disease. Why? For the merit of the Chacham. Because the Chacham is praying for him, or gave him a blessing. However, if you will go to the doctor first, and then go to the rabbi, him by now will not help. Because the doctor already told him that he's dying. Now, for the rabbi to take it out of his body, you need a very big merit, like Avraham Avinu. And nobody in this generation has such a merit. That's why most likely he will die. But if he went to the Chacham before the bad news was published, meaning the Chacham with his blessing made Hashem take away the disease and no one knows that he had it. 
So sometimes people go to the rabbi, the rabbi gives them a blessing, then they run to the hospital, they make an MRI, and the doctors come after two days and say, don't worry, everything is clean, Baruch Hashem. They don't know that they had, actually. But Hashem took it away. Why? Thanks to this big Chacham. You understand how it works? So when you go to the Chacham, we're talking a spiritual help. Doctors can help you physically if Hashem wants. Chacham is above nature. It's a different story. Yes. You, you, you already said the correct answer. Running to look for any rabbi that will justify your desires, that's not asking a shayla. You have to have a rabbi that is kosher and a chacham, and you ask him everything what to do, and whatever he say, whether it's lenient or strict, you follow. But sometimes when, for instance, about vaccines, if we had four biggest rabbis in the world say, take it and four biggest rabbis in the world say, do not take it, then we don't have a unanimous decision. You want to take it, take it. You don't want to take it, go like this. No problem. However, when all the biggest rabbis say you must take it, at that moment nobody should make a beep. That's, that was my, my point. For instance, if Rav Chaim Kanievsky would say one thing, and Rav Adelstein or a few other rabbis, Zilberstein and, and big Chachamim, Rav Mazuz, which say, don't take it, then we have elek and neged elek, machlok et apoiskim, right? So you go to your own rabbi, what should I do? Whatever he recommend, you should do. But you would not be punished by disrespecting dolei Torah, because you come to Shamaim, they will tell you, why didn't you listen to Rav Chaim? You say, I listen to Rav Gershon. What's the difference? They gadol and this is gadol. So we have to know the rules, but overall you're right about what you say, yes. The fact that Hashem gave us a sechel to do uh, things and to choose, you're right, we cannot ask a rabbi every two minutes what to do. We have thousands of things that we have to do in a month. Imagine you have to call the rabbi 500 times a day, 24 hours, if you want to rinse your hand, or you want to do this, or you want to use this bathroom, or the bathroom upstairs, or my son this, did that, or I should put the guest over here. There's a, lot, there's a lot of questions you can... I have people like this, that they ask me questions, I don't understand what you cannot figure it out yourself. This you have to ask a rabbi, you're right. Not to be too much of a nudnik, but there are some questions you must ask a chacham. It's not for an ordinary person to know what to do. Like you have a dilemma where to put your kid, in this yeshiva or in that yeshiva. This yeshiva has a few good things and a few bad things, and this yeshiva has a few good things and bad things, and you do not know what bad things are more critical? So you don't know how to put it on a scan and decide. You must ask the rabbi and you must do what he say. 
So whoever told you that if you go to a posek or chacham and ask him a sheila in halacha, after what he say, it's only a recommendation, it's wrong. If you ask, you must do. You can ask, you can go in advance and say, Rabbi, I'm not asking you for psak. I just want to know your opinion. That's a different story. But if you come and ask what to do, I want to buy a house in Ramat Bechemesh in this street, but there is such and such problem. Should I buy it? Please tell me yes or no. Buy it. End of story. Don't buy it. End of story. You may ask why. Can I ask why? I'll tell you his reason. That's it. So rabbis are not a, 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 a roulette. That, you know, if he comes on a number you like, you'll do it. And if it doesn't come on a number you like, you'll ignore it. It doesn't work this way. You come and ask a, a person, we have a tradition that Hashem is answering us through the holy mouth of the chief rabbis. Of course, we're talking about big chachamim. Not every, every beginner speaker becomes already the gdolador. Talking gdolei Torah, that everybody knows their whole life, their entire life, they're deep in the Torah, they learn, they became in everything, and they're very solid. And you ask uh, the dad Torah from gdolei ador. More questions before we finish? Any? Oh, Hashem. I would like to... Yeah? The new book in English is basically ready. It just has to go to printing. Another two, three weeks, Bezrat Hashem. Anyone who wants the old book in English, I still have, I think, some in our car. And uh, we're going to pray our feet now after the, 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 the lecture and Sfirat Omer. I would like to thank uh, Shachar Shama and his uh, wonderful wife. We also have a seminar next Shabbos in Yerushalayim. Baruch Hashem, we're able to, back, to go back to, to make seminars after nine months that everything was closed. Thank Hashem for that, for all the wonderful Kiruv work they do, Lashem Shamaim. Bezrat Hashem will have more events. This lecture will be on YouTube live within a day or two. So Bezrat Hashem will be Rabbi Mizrahi in Ramat Bet Shemesh. You can share it with others. Thank you very much. Baruch Adonai